morning to everyone here and uh, hello to those of you online and today actually a lot of people here hi <laughs> uh yeah Ravi always sounds like he's gonna go and swim underwater because the microphone don't have batteries so I think you just have them swap now okay so uh you realize Reverend Johnson's not here this morning I hope uh you're uh, praying for him he's with the chapel of the Holy Spirit this morning he's preaching back-to-back -back services I think so that's why uh you he's not here okay so right Let's just move on. Recently, yes, thank you, Ashley. This is so true, and we need to, remind it, uh, to be reminded of this fact from time to time, especially in the present times when the pandemic is putting us in unprecedented situations. Mask wearing, HBL, online church services, vaccinations, you all know. Huh? Since nobody has experience with these new and uncomfortable changes to our lives, Many people are turning to the Bible for wisdom and answers. But just because someone searched the Bible doesn't mean that they become wiser or emerge with biblical answers. As a negative example, some Christians have searched the Bible and discovered that the COVID-19 vaccination is the mark of the beast from the book of Revelation. For this reason, they refuse to get vaccinated I can respect that because we take responsibility for our own actions. However, some of these people have become so wise from Bible reading that they found a cure. Forming their own World Health Organization and Health Sciences Authority, they approve for emergency use ivermectin and other drugs. They claim that these drugs are effective against the coronavirus. Miraculously, Ivermectin is also effective against the beast. If you've taken the vaccines, Ivermectin can purge the vaccines and exorcise the beast. A very convenient two-in-one solution, don't you think? As we speak, these people are still illegally importing and distributing Ivermectin in Singapore. It leaves us to wonder why international researchers, medical doctors, and professors are not using this miracle drug. And how could it be that global Christian leaders, our bishops, patriarchs, senior pastors, and the Pope are not speaking up to warn the sheep from the mark of the beast? I'm seldom sarcastic over the pulpit, but such unbiblical use of scriptures which has led to foolish superstitions and irresponsible threat to human lives must be condemned. My objective today is not to discuss vaccinations and drugs because that's beyond my area of expertise. We will do well to continue to respect the authority of the proper authorities. My concern today is the proper interpretation and application of scriptures. I hope to bring across a fundamental guiding principle which is also my answer to the sermon title, What is the Bible All About? In between, we will spend some time on the doctrine of revelation. But before all that, let us take a look at our passage for today. We start with our Gospel reading. John 5, 39-47 is a portion of a lecture Jesus was giving the Jews. This is not an academic lecture. What I mean is, Jesus was scolding the religious leaders and their followers. 
The earlier part of chapter 5 tells us what's going on. Apparently, Jesus had gone up to Jerusalem for one of the feasts. On the Sabbath day, he was at the miracle healing pool near the Sheep's Gate. There, he met a bedridden man who couldn't get himself into the pool in time to be healed. Knowing this man to be sick for 38 years, Jesus took mercy upon him and healed him with his word. At once, the man was made well and began to walk. Now, the Jews started persecuting Jesus because Jesus did work on the Sabbath day of rest. That is illegal. And when Jesus implied in his conversation with them that he is God, they became determined to kill him. This is the immediate literary context of our passage. The larger historical context is that Jesus was living in a time when the Jews held fast to the Mosaic law. After 70 years in exile and 400 years under foreign oppression, the Jews have finally learned that human disobedience brings about divine retribution. Hence, they believe that strict obedience to the Mosaic law was required to avoid punishment and remain in God's favor. In their minds, remaining in God's favor was the only way to speed up the coming of the Christ, who will restore Israel to their former glory as the kingdom. In short, they believe that obedience to the law is the key to salvation. For this reason, the Jews searched the scriptures, examined it thoroughly, interpreted its meaning, and derived various works to demonstrate obedience. And for this reason, the man Jesus, who was doing the wrong things, must be stopped before God's wrath is kindled. They were so preoccupied with their elaborate religious system of works that they could not recognize that the Christ had already arrived. So here in chapter 5, Jesus was rebuking them for their spiritual blindness. Our passage begins at the point where Jesus was criticizing their confidence in works. And perhaps the most loaded statement is verse 42, where Jesus says, But I know that you do not have the love of God within you. There are two meanings to this statement. First, Jesus is saying that the Jews do not have love for God. Since the greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, saying that the Jews do not love God means that they have failed in all the commandments. Their obedience to the law has not earned them divine favor. Their works are in vain. Second, Jesus is saying that the Jews do not have the love which comes from God. He points out, that if they have experienced God's love, then they would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and receive him as the Christ. But this was not the case, and Jesus testifies against them. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Focusing on what they could do by their own hands for Israel's salvation, the Jews who only believed the teachings of those who interpreted the scriptures the same way they did. And they commended those who perform the works they do, glorifying the exemplary and shaming the contrary. 
so much so that over time they became more concerned about the approval of their fellow men than God's approval. The irony is, the Jews had wanted to remain in God's favour and enter the kingdom, but they ended up seeking human favour and were building their own kingdoms of followers. In verses 45 to 47, Jesus points out that they have also strayed into idolatry. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. Instead of having faith in God, the Jews worship Moses and the teachers of the law. Instead of believing in God who gave them the law, they believe in what they could do with the law. Instead of trusting in Jesus, they trusted in themselves. At the end of the day, all things been said, these Jews do not have the love of God within them because they were idolaters who believed that they need to save themselves by their own hands. Humankind is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Like the ancient Jews, people today are idolaters. We also believe that we need to save ourselves by our own hands. If this is not the universal and timeless human nature and condition, how else can we explain our persistent obsession with the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast is found in various chapters of Revelation. Misguided Christians have taken the verses out of context, fabricated a dangerous situation, and then come up with solutions for it. The Mark of the Beast has become a familiar, scary movie, written, directed, and starring the same person. And the plot is simple. The Antichrist has appeared and is forcing people to receive his mark on their right hands or foreheads. If you do not have the mark, you cannot buy or sell things. But anyone who has the Mark of the Beast will go to hell. So far, the above are found in the Bible. But the plot continues to develop unbiblically. It says that the mark will be forced onto Christians, and those who receive this mark will lose their salvation and be condemned. The solution? Refuse, resist, remove the mark of the beast. What is the mark of the beast? COVID vaccines are the latest version of the mark in the current remaking of the scary movie. You may have heard of the previous versions, barcodes, microchip implants, credit cards, smartphones, contactless payment methods, and until recently, facial masks. Whenever the mark of the beast is proclaimed, naive and fearful Christians become the supporting cast of this scary movie. They avoid buying things with barcodes, boycott electronic devices, use cash instead of cashless payment, reject the wearing of masks, and so on and so forth. In the latest remake, they refuse vaccinations and imagine ways to remove the mark when it has been received. Now, it is beyond the scope of this sermon to examine the four passages in Revelation where the mark of the beast is mentioned to see where they have gone wrong. But we don't have to go that far. We only have to return to one basic question, what is the Bible all about? Jesus says in verses 39 to 40, 
You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. But it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And again in verses 46 to 47, For if you believe Moses, you will believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? The Jews searched the scriptures for eternal life. They examined it thoroughly, interpreted its meaning, and tried to find what they can do by their own hands to achieve eternal life. They were wrong. Because the scriptures is not a step-by-step -step guidebook of do's and don'ts. Because salvation is not by works humans can perform and execute. The truth is, salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ. You all know this. Scriptures writes and bear witness that Jesus is the Son of God. Scriptures is God's revelation of himself to us. Who he is, what he has done in creation, what he thinks of the human nature and condition, what he desires of his relationship with humans, and what he has done to achieve that desired relationship. Jesus did the work of coming in the flesh to make right our relationship with God. He did die on the cross to open the way into the kingdom of heaven, and God resurrected him back to life so that he may give life to others. Therefore, those who believe in him may be saved. This is what the Bible is all about. Why is there a need for God's revelation of himself to us through scriptures? The doctrine of revelation explains that after humankind was banished from God's presence, there was no way for us to know who God is or even to know if God exists. Thankfully, the existence of God may be known to all persons at all times and in all places through nature, history and the human heart. This is known as God's general revelation. God presents himself through nature. And so when we look at creatures and creation, we cannot help but wonder who designed everything. God communicates his presence through his control of the course of history. And so when bullies and tyrants suddenly fall from power, we wonder who executed justice for us. And God has put into each person's heart a sense of divinity. No wonder in every race and culture people worship someone or something because somehow we are aware that there is a power greater than ourselves. However, as fallen human beings, our finite wisdom and sinfulness limit what we may realize about God through general revelation. Nature, history and the sense of divinity do not always point us to the one true God. We more often than not wrongly identify this creator, judge and heavenly divine with earthly creatures and created things. Thus, God has also revealed himself to particular persons at definite times and places so that these may know him and enter into a saving relationship with him. This is known as God's special revelation. Special revelation includes Divine action in history, such as the Theophany to Moses in the burning bush, the Exodus, the Exile, Pentecost, and so on. 
Special revelation also includes divine speech spoken to Jews and Gentiles through the prophets and apostles. And as a final special revelation, God revealed himself in human form, that is, in Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible is also God's special revelation because it records the historical divine acts, speech, and incarnation in writing. Like all other forms of special revelation, the Bible tells the reader that there is but one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has created the world and made humankind in his own image. Even though humankind has fallen into sin and death, God desires to be reconciled to us and to save us from death. Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son, so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. What is the Bible all about? The Bible is all about God. It begins by bringing God to us, and it ends by bringing us to God. Therefore, any interpretation or application of the Bible which brings our attention away from God, incites fear and not hope, causes panic and not peace, requires the doing of anything to be saved or remain saved, such interpretations and applications are unbiblical. We know that we have strayed away from God and His purposes in special revelation when we arrive at anything other than God in our reading. What was God's purpose for us when he revealed that there will be such a thing called the mark of the beast in the end times? Did God intend for us to use the Bible as a manual to identify the mark? Did God want us to find ways to resist and avoid it? Did God call us to be part of a scary movie, scaring ourselves and scaring other people? Do not be deceived. Such things are not from God. Understand that when you participate in the scary movie, you become idolaters. For on the one hand, when you fear going to hell because of the mark, you are saying that the Antichrist has power to determine your destiny, that his mark will cause you to die. You believe that the beast is sovereign in your life. On the other hand, if you think you need to resist or remove that mark, you are giving yourself the power and authority over your destination. You're doing work to attain your salvation, which is no different from the ancient Jews. Both scenarios are idolatry. In the one, you bow down to the Antichrist. In the other, you worship yourself. This is not how we've learned the Bible. Ask yourselves, and you should know this very well, who determines whether we go to heaven or to hell? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus reviews, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left, and then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, from before the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And in the book of Revelation, 
John bears witness to Jesus' words. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. If we have searched the scriptures, we will know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the judge of the living and the dead. Christ alone determines whether we go to heaven or hell. If there is any mark which indicates our final destination, it is the names written in the book of life. Certainly, the book of Revelation writes that those who have the mark of the beast will certainly be thrown into the lake of fire because they are idolaters. But nowhere does it say that you are going to the kingdom of heaven just because you don't have the mark of the beast. Ultimately, to be saved into the kingdom, your name has to be written in the book of life. If your name is not in the book of life, you'll be judged according to your works recorded in the other books. And we know that there is no way we can be saved because our works will never be perfect before God. So we should be more concerned about the book of life than the mark of the beast. We should be more concerned whether we believe in Jesus than what works we can do by our own hands. The purpose of the book of Revelation is not to point us to the Antichrist and works. The final book in the Bible, like all the rest of scriptures, point us to faith in God. Revelation 13.10 says, Here is a call for endurance and faith of the saints. And again, Revelation 14.12, Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and faith in Jesus. These verses come from the same chapters where the mark of the beast is mentioned. Clearly, when read in context, the warning of the mark is given so that we will hold fast to our faith in Jesus Christ. It is not easy to believe that salvation is by faith alone. In the back of our minds, we keep thinking that we must need to do something by our own hands in order to be saved. But God has said, and he has promised, that so long as a person believes and trusts in him, God will show mercy and forgiveness. We heard this in our reading from Isaiah 55, and we will end with this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Humans find it difficult to have compassion on those who have wronged us and we don't want to forgive those who have offended us. Because of the hardness of our hearts, we find it hard to believe that God would show us mercy and forgiveness. 
This is why God reveals himself to us through his special revelation. To tell us that being ruthless and unforgiving is not in his nature. He doesn't act and think like humans. He is God. He desires to be reconciled to us even if it means dying on the cross. Since we have received his special revelation, let us believe and be assured that we are truly saved by faith in Jesus Christ and not by works. May the word of God go forth into each of our hearts and accomplish his salvation. Amen. Let's take a moment to reflect on what has been shared. Let's let the Holy Spirit search our heart. Even in our walk with the Lord, in any way we have built idols in our heart without we ourselves knowing it. Let's ask the Lord to forgive us. Let's ask the Lord to strengthen us in our journey with Him every day in our life. Father, we pray today, thank you for your word that you've given to us, Lord. We ask, Father, in our weakness we fall. As we journey together with you, in our journey we may have built idols in our own life. We pray that, Lord, you will forgive us as we commit ourselves unto your hand, that you will show it to us and reveal of yourself more and more in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, shall we stand and uh, just say the...